Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, this is our final night, and uh, I'm going to cover a couple of things. And remember, I had two or three different uh, questions that have come up over this last week. I said, if you had any questions, we'd, we'd try to cover them real quick. So last week, we talked about credit cards and debt. Uh, I'm not really going to go into any of that. You heard that last week. But I do want to say this about if you find yourself in a place where you're on the t- top-heavy side of debt, you know, do what is necessary to get it started paying off. I think all the sheets that I gave you and things will help you find out where you are and what you need to do. And one important factor in this is don't count God out. You know, it may look like you're swimming in debt, but give God something to work with. Number one, if you find yourself falling behind in a bill, do not wait for them to call you. You call them. You will be able to get much more favor with any creditor anywhere if you will call them before they have to call you. Um, you know, sometimes we just get in over our heads because of stupidity. You know, sometimes it's, it's, you know, things that maybe, you know, come up that we didn't plan for. You know, there are catastrophes that happen in families, you know, injuries, you know, car accidents that happen in major injuries. People have to be off work, you know, and you get behind for those kind of things. But even in there, in that case, make sure you call ahead of them calling you so that you can put your case out there and fill them in on exactly what's going on. And they're more willing to work with you than what you think. Uh, I've got a uh, one example I can I can tell you about that happened some I don't know out how many years back it was, but I had a gentleman come to me and he was just so upset about how badly they were in debt. Now, one of the reasons they were in debt was because we had one spouse handling all the finances who didn't tell the other spouse about it. Not a good good idea, okay? Let's always, if you're married, be transparent with a spouse. Make sure they always know where you're at and what's happening. But anyway, um, the husband found out where they were, and so he didn't get upset. He just said, okay, we've got to deal with this. So he took the finances back. He was going to deal with it. And he came to me, and we sat down. We looked at everything, and I said, well, now, have you contacted any of these people? And he said, no. I said, you need to contact them is find out what they'll be willing to do to work with you on this. So about a week went by, he came back in my office, and I I can't really remember the figures, so I'm just going to make some up so they'll be close. But I think they had about seven or eight maybe outstanding creditors that they had run up debts that totaled probably about $25,000. And they just were not able to make the payments on all these things. They just couldn't. And anyway, he went back to all these different creditors, and he came back to me and said, you will not believe this. I said, well, tell me. I'm, I'm anxious to hear this. And he said he called every last one of them, and every one of them had agreed to take a significant amount of money less if they could pay it off by a certain date. Well, you think, well, you know, I don't have the money now. How, how am I going to pay it off? Give God something to work with. You know, you go to your creditors, you get favor, you get a plan, and then you say, God, I, you know, this is what I've got here. Help me. So anyway, we sat down, we looked at it, and, and some of these creditors said, okay, they would reduce the debt by like 30%. 
Some were 40%. One was even like 65%. I said, you're kidding. Are you sure that that, they said they'd take that? And he goes, yeah. He said, I asked him twice. So, I mean, we added it all up and, and and we figured out how much money that they would need to cover all of these debts. And, and so, okay, all right, now then, where do you think we can, we can get this money? And um, so he began to tell me about a relative who had come into some money that they had helped quite significantly over, over the years. And he said, I, you know, I said, well, do you feel, would you feel comfortable asking them if you could borrow that much money and pay off all these debts and then set up a payment plan so that you could pay them back. And he said, yeah, I think I, could, I think I would feel comfortable doing that. So about a week later, he comes back to him and he said, um, he said, well, I talked to him and they said they'd be more than happy to do that, to give us that money. We'd set up a payment plan. We would pay them back. And um, I mean, we've gotten a reduced debt here. I mean, across the board of all this, it must have come down from about 25 to about maybe... 16, 15 or 16. I mean, it was a significant amount of difference. So anyway, they decided they would go ahead and do this. But, this is what I'm saying, give God something to work with. You start working the plan. You start putting out, you know, some claims for favor and see that favor start working in your behalf. And then you go, okay, God, this is what we've got going here. You know, before they could borrow the money from the relative, a piece of property that they had inherited that was not even on the market, someone approached them, would you sell that to me? And gave them a figure that was in a very, very good price. And they went, sure, yeah. And they were able to pay all those bills and not borrow any from the relative. Now I'm telling you, that is what you need. That's the kind of thing you need to believe God for. If God will do it for one, he'll do it for more. So if you're over your heads in some areas, call, find out what would they settle for. And then you start believing God for a way to get that money, to settle that debt for less. You know, that's not a place of not paying a debt. They're they're, they're telling you that they'll take, you know, maybe 60 cents on the dollar. So great, give them 60 cents on the dollar. You know, but give God an opportunity to work. Do not bury your heads in the sand. Do not just ignore it and pretend it'll go away. It won't go away. Meet it head on. Take charge of the situation. And that's really what was happening in that situation. By going to the creditors, this man was taking charge of his situation and then expecting God to work on his behalf. And he worked miraculously with favor and worked even more by by providing the money to pay the reduced debt. And then they walked out of it debt-free. You know, it's just a real blessing. Now, say that... I have another example that happened real recently. Somebody came to me and they said they had made a mistake in their checking account, in their balancing. How many has ever done that? Uh-huh. The only check I have bounced in 30 years was to Faith Christian Fellowship. Because we were living, we were living, oh, you know, day to day. Not even week to week, but I could say day to day back then. And I had made a $10 error in the checkbook and it caused the check to bounce to the church of all places, you know, but uh, I figured there was forgiveness for that. <laughs> but anyway, this, this, this person came to me a few weeks ago and said, you know, they had made a, made a big error, like a $200 error in their checkbook, and all these things were just bouncing all over the place, and you know, the banks don't do this really fair. They don't, they don't take the one big check that comes in and bounce it. They want their, all their little service charges, so they will bounce all the little checks and pay the big one, so they can charge you. What, what, is, what is a bounce check fee these days? How much? 
about 35 bucks. That's a lot. You know, well, they had accumulated up to, I think it was like $350 worth of just late of insufficient fees. And they were, oh, I mean, I'm already $200 in the hole. You've bounced my checks. I mean, all these people now think, I, you know, I'm not good for this, for this money. And you want to charge me $350. Well, she got on the phone, got a hold of somebody at the service department. And they said, no way. She was just asking them, please, can you alleviate some of these service charges? We've never bounced to checks. I mean, this is just an error on my part. It was just a math error. I mean, we, I wouldn't have obviously put these checks out had I realized I'd made a math error. This lady was just, no, no. You know what I found out? Just because somebody tells you no, it's not the end of the story. You keep, you keep on calling until you get the person who gives you the right answer. You know, and, and if you'll, you'll keep looking, somebody will come up with the right answer. So she went back and she called somebody else. I think no came back a second time. She went, now, Lord, I just, I, I need some favor here. So she got on the phone again. She got a gentleman who was, who was wonderful. She explained the whole situation. She goes, please, you know, I just want you to just alleviate some of the charges. Well, before it was all said and done, he had alleviated all but $60 of those charges. You know, do not give up just because somebody says no. means nothing. You have little children that won't give up until you give them that cookie. You know, pretend it's a cookie. Don't give up. You keep going back until you find the person who'll say yes to whatever it is you need. You know, God will, God doesn't mind. You just keep, just because, you know, they said no first time. Do not hang your head and go, well, it didn't work, Lord. Well, you just didn't find the right person. Call back. And if that person doesn't give you the right answer, you call back. I'm currently working on a situation with that with some insurance with my mom. I've gotten turned down three times and I'm not finished yet. I don't like the word no, so I'm going to keep going back and I keep believing God for favor until I, get, until I get to the president of the insurance company. I'm not going to quit. You know, I'm going to get the answer I want out of this whole thing. So the end of that story is don't, when, you, when you find yourself in a mess, when you find yourself in a pickle, okay, if you need to repent, repent. If it was an honest mistake like this lady's, it was just an honest mathematical mistake. Still, believe God for favor. And you just go after it, and God will show you what favor is. I'm telling you what, these two instances, you know, were, were just real, real good examples of how God will work in your behalf so that you're not cheated out of what rightfully belongs to you by the enemy, okay? You know, because sometimes we have this idea that, you know, well, I, anybody ever done this? Well, you know, I'm not going to ask God to help me because I deserve everything I got. I got myself into that mess. Don't do that. Just repent and go on. First John 1 9 says, you know, you're, you're, it's over, done with, go on. So you just do that. You go on and expect God to work in your behalf. No matter how bad it looks, there's still an answer and a good answer, and a good outcome to whatever it is, the situation. However desperate it seems, there's still a good way out. Um, so what if you're, uh, you're having a problem with debt? There's some things you can, you can do. You can adjust your withholding at, at work to make sure that you're only taking out just what's needed so you can have extra money to put into your bills. The government is not a great place to, to create a savings fund, okay? A lot of people want them to take out more at all during the year so they'll get this big return at, you know, you know, at tax time. That's crazy. They're not paying you any interest. 
If you have that money, you can do more with it. So adjust your withholding so that you only have taken out just what's necessary. Find some ways to make some extra money without compromising your time with God. You hear me? Without compromising your time with God. That doesn't mean take a second job that keeps you out of church. There are ways to make extra money without doing that. So, anyway, that's one. Number one, number three, stop spending on anything other than essential items. And I do mean essential. You know, water is good. Cokes are not. Water costs you nothing. Cokes are, I don't even know what they are. I haven't had a, a carbonated drink now in almost a year, and it's just great. You know, you can do without them. There's a lot of things you can do without, you know, where... You can believe God to make your clothes last, to make your car last, to make your refrigerator last, your washing machine last. If the children of Israel could wander around for 40 years and their shoes not wear out, then bless God, my refrigerator can keep going until I can get a new one. You know, you need to depend on God for a lot of these things. Okay, next, don't spend your raises or anything extra that comes in on anything other than retiring that debt. That does mean that when you get around to Christmas time, Christmas, we tell everybody we're not buying Christmas, but make them some beautiful cards. Write them a beautiful card. You know, there are, there are times, you know, in my life where I have seen that, you know, maybe we only had just enough to, to get Christmas for our kids, and I believe God for sales, so that it looks, and then buy lots of little things, so they had lots of little things to open, because, you know, with kids, they don't care how much it costs, they just know it's lots of things to open, you know, so you, you go with that premise. You give them a lot of little things that they get to open. But anyway, Christmas is like, we're not doing Christmas this year except for the kids. Everybody else understands it's okay. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses at Christmas. Just because you have a relative who gives big extravagant gifts, if you're in a situation where you're strapped and you need to be putting money into debt retirement, then you don't spend money on Christmas. You, you do something else, something you can hand make, you know, for a little bit, something just a card. People will understand we have all been at those places. You know, and if we're smart, we can all say that we stepped back and decided not to spend foolishly at Christmas. The same is true of vacation time. The same is true of of birthday giving time. You know, it's okay to take a reprieve from all that kind of stuff to do something good. If your family doesn't understand that, then uh, they're idiots. You know, they're very insensitive. They're very selfish. My whole thought would be, I want to see you out of the mess that you're in rather than you give me a present. Now, that should be anybody's motivation. And if it's not, then you don't need to worry about it. That's their attitude problem, not yours. Uh, don't buy anything ever under pressure. Well, it's not going to be here tomorrow. So what? If it's not, there'll be something better. You know, don't buy it under pressure. If you, if you are a sucker for those big high-pressure sales tactics, don't go to where the big sales tactics are. Just don't get involved in it. Yeah, but it's going to be a free, it's going to be free two days at Disney if I go listen to this sales pitch. Yeah, but how good are you, are saying, are you at saying no? If you're not good at saying no, then pay for the night at Disney. It'll cost you a lot less. Amen. Look around your house. Are there some things around your house that you really don't need, that you can get rid of, that have value, that you can put into retiring debt? 
Look around and get rid of them. Now, I'm not talking about heirlooms that can't be replaced, but there may even be desperate enough times where you would sell something like that. But, you know, that would just have to be between you and God. So anyway, those are some areas that you can look at for uh, retiring debt. Now, I had some questions asked. Uh, one of them was, what about extended warranties on vehicles? How many of you have ever bought an extended warranty on a vehicle? How many of you have ever not used that extended warranty? Eh, I did that one time and I didn't use it. Honestly, I think the best rule of thumb for whether you should buy an extended warranty on a vehicle or not is look to see what's on the inside. What's God telling you? You know, when, when the extended warranty, you need it, it, I mean, it's wonderful. It's a lifesaver. But when you don't need it, you know what was made down the train. You can ask the Holy Ghost and he'll tell you, do I need to buy an extended warranty on this vehicle or not? We have two vehicles that came up to the end of their uh, factory warranties about the same time. You know, and I was just really, you know, okay, Lord, now what do I need to do about these two vehicles? And on the Toyota, I just felt like it was great just to leave it alone, no extended warranty. My Nissan, I had put 30,000 miles and 33,000 miles on it in just over a year. You know, and I thought, you know, I, I just had this real sense that I need to take this extended warranty out. But God led me, even in that, I checked like three different places for extended warranties, and I decided to finally go to the Nissan people. Well, their, their extended warranty was less than the other three I had checked on. But Nissan had a, has a new thing. I'm not promoting Nissan necessarily, but this is a good deal. They now have a thing with Nissan. If you do with one of their factory extended warranties, that at the end of the term, if you have not used that extended warranty, they will give you everything but $150 back. Because they realized people were not taking them out because they felt like it's money down the drain. It's not likely I'll ever need it. And that's why they, they weren't doing it. Well, I thought, this is a win-win situation here. You know, I'm going to take this out if I need it. Great, it's covering the car. And if I don't, I, you know, it was worth 150 bucks to me to have it. So, I mean, there, look around. You know, just be led. When you buy an extended warranty, look around. Let God lead you to the best deal, the best place, you know, for what you're having just what's in your heart. Okay, that's one. Uh, stimulus payments. This has come up for more than one person. Do I tithe on my stimulus payment or not? How many say yes? How many say no? I say yes. Number one, you can't outgive God. Number two, from the way I understand it, this has nothing to do with your 2007 taxes. It has nothing to do with your 2008 taxes. It will not decrease your refund for 2008. It will not increase your tax liability for 2008. It is money back. You would have paid those taxes anyway. They're giving you money back. I say tithe on it. Now, if you don't agree with me, you just argue with God over it. Don't, don't have to tell me about it, okay? All right. We've covered that. We've covered stimulus payments. Uh, retirement planning. Everybody should be doing something about retirement. I'm not a retirement expert. You need to find the experts who are. Find out what's the best thing for you. But the sooner you do it, the better. The younger you are, the less you have to put into it to get more as return in the end. Um, there's plenty of people around here, I'm sure, that could point you in the right direction of some good expert advice. So you need some expert advice, I'll tell you who to go to to tell you who to go to to find the expert advice because I don't know. 
Um, somebody brought up to me last, last week that uh, there are three credit reporting agencies. You are allowed one free credit report a year, but you're allowed one free credit report a year from each one of these credit reporting agencies. If you cycle this right, you can get a free report every four months and we'll have a current up-to-date standing of your credit report all the time. So anyway, there's that little tidbit. Got that one marked off. Now, I had this question come up, and this has come up in the past. Uh, college students who don't work, but, they're, but they're, maybe their family you know, supports them while they're going to college so they won't have to work. Do you tithe on it or not tithe on it? I'd say, is it increased to you personally? If it is, the answer is yes. But my parents have already tithed on it. Well, now that makes about as much sense as saying, Annette Butler, I work for her. And she tithes out of her business. So when on my paycheck, when I get it, I don't need to tithe on it. Because she's already tithed on it. That makes that much sense. You know, if that was the truth, there'd only be one tithe way up the ladder somewhere. I'm not sure who would get that, that privilege. And the rest of us would just be scot-free. Is it increased to you personally? It's always the question. Did it increase you personally? Then you need to tithe on it. Well, I, don't argue with me about it. You know, it just kind of like, if it's increased, tithe. If you want to argue, argue with God. Yeah. I mean, really, if you took this to its ultimate conclusion, God, you do the tithe because everything comes from you anyway. So you do the tithe and the rest of us won't have to. Well, now, how much sense does that make? You know, Jacob said, of all that you give me, I will surely give the tenth to you. So it's a personal thing. You are personally receiving, you are personally tithing. So anything that's increased, that's put in your hand, or even benefits, or presents, or, you know, something somebody gives you, Figure out what the value of it is and tithe on it. You'll be blessed. Don't try to penny ante God, you know, nickel and dime him. You know, if that's the way, if you want to have a nickel and dime prosperity, go ahead. If you don't, if you want to have an abundant prosperity, then I suggest you figure out every way you can to tithe. Amen. That wasn't a very big amen, but anyway. All right. Now then, I do want to talk about one thing that uh, Dave Ramsey calls the love drawer. Anybody know what that is? Anybody ever heard that term, the love drawer? How about the love box? The love shelf, the love safety deposit box? What that is, is a place where because you love your family so much that you put every piece of financial information that affects your life. So that if something should happen to you, that they could go to one place and be able to sort out your finances based on what's in that one location. Now, you may want to put this in a safety deposit at the bank. You may want to have a home safe to put it in. Um, if you have a safety deposit box at the bank, I suggest you make sure that there's another person that doesn't live with you that knows where the key to that box is and whose name is, is on the thing at the bank saying that they can get to, to that box. This would include insurance policies of all kinds. 
that would be life insurance, disability insurance, homeowner's insurance, car insurance. You know, uh, while my dad was in the hospital in Jacksonville, there was a, an elderly couple that it was very rainy, and uh, this gentleman who was from Arizona was coming through Jacksonville and was going to go on downstate to see his daughter and it was a very rainy night he ran into the back of a semi-truck he was killed instantly his wife lingered a few days because that's, that's how we knew about it because she was in the same intensive care as my dad and then she passed away one out you never know when those kind of things may happen here are the two of them you know this one accident took them both out Hopefully, there was information back home in Arizona that their children could go to and figure out everything. And because, because it was involving a car accident, his car insurance policy was a very necessary thing that they were going to need. So make sure all your insurance policies are in this, wherever this is. You can call it a drawer. You can call it a box. You can call it a file. You know, whatever you want to call it. But anyway, make sure that's in there. Make sure that you have wills in there. No matter how young you are, if you have any assets of any kind, including just a bank account, you need to have a will so somebody can get a hold of that money. You need living wills in there. You need health care surrogate in there. Um, you need information about IRAs in there, any, any kind of retirement that you may have. How many of you even have little insurance policies from your ba- on your bank account? M- I do. I mean, my bank account's got a $1,000 life insurance policy. You know, it's an accidental policy, but still it's $1,000. Well, those are, kind of, those are kind of little things that nobody would ever know about if you didn't have it located in one place. Um, you need to have a list of all your debts and all your creditors, you know, account numbers. This is why you need to have a very safe place for this. Account numbers, uh, maybe even passwords. So many of us do things online these days so that somebody can get to those areas and take care of those bills and those debts. You, when you stop and you think about your entire financial life, you need to have everything that touches you in any way financially available to anybody who may have to come in and settle your estate. Well, you think, well, I'm, you know, I'm not planning on going anywhere. None of us are, you know, but you never really know. And, and because we're not, we're not always a hundred percent and following our heart and knowing, looking out for the, the attacks the enemy brings on us, it's best to love our relatives and love our family well enough that we make sure that we've got this available for them. You also need to go back at least once a year and and verify your beneficiaries on anything that has a beneficiary. Um, I I have a relative that quite a number of years ago had been a widow for a long time, and she married a gentleman who had a daughter still at home. Well, this lady had a daughter still at home, too. So, I mean, this was great. I mean, now there's four, a family of four, and um, they'd only been married a couple of years when, when he suddenly, you know, passed away. He got some little cough, something going, and they were doing a bronchoscopy, and he had a heart attack in the middle of the bronchoscopy, and he passed away. Well, he had never changed his, all of his, his stuff out of his first wife's name. What a crazy thing that was to get all that switched. Uh, There's another example of somebody who was divorced from a lady, and she was getting, he remarried. The first wife is getting a, a certain percentage of his retirement, but he never went down and changed any names on the paperwork. He assumed that just because it said his wife 
would get all this stuff, that it would be his current wife. He never changed the name. When all the dust and smoke cleared after he passed away, his first wife wound up with 100% of everything. You know, you have to go back and just make sure and verify on a real regular basis that everything is as it should be. Beneficiaries are who you want them to be. Um, maybe, you know, you were going to leave a, a brother, you know, you know, $1,000 or something, but he's a real idiot and now you decide you don't want to give him any money. Well, take care of it. Take him out of the will. So review whatever so often. Pete. The last will is the one that counts. You know, it doesn't matter who has what. Oh, but I've got a copy of this will and, and daddy said he was leaving me this and da, da, da. Well, if daddy made another one that's a later date than that one, the later date supersedes anything that was in the first one. So you need to check on all of these things and be ready to make sure that it's all there and it's all taken care of. Now, the last thing that had come up, a question, it came up because when Ed Elliott was here a few months ago, and he was, he was really giving his testimony about, you know, the, the time, the uh, struggles that he and Lori had had in the last few years. He talked about bankruptcy. And so I got a phone call. I mean, you got some, we've got somebody in the pulpit talking about bankruptcy. What do you think about bankruptcy? This is my take on bankruptcy. Bankruptcy is not for believers. You know, I do know that there are situations, and, and I can't speak to all of, of, of Brother Ed's situations, but I do know that if it's beginning to affect your mental and physical health because you're under such a load of debt, then maybe bankruptcy is an option for you. That should be something that be done with the absolute leading of the Lord. I can't say anything more than that on that. But as far as I'm concerned... You know, number one, Christians, believers, especially believers who, who know how, or are supposed to know how to believe God, who know what faith is all about, who know prosperity, what it's all about, should never get themselves to a place where there's a bankruptcy even considered in the picture. But that there again, there are circumstances that happen, you know, that, that you don't, you can't account for, that you can't plan for. So I don't know. I would say, you know, that even if you were to find yourself in a place to have to file bankruptcy, the best thing you could do is to go back as soon as you can, go back to the people that, the creditors that were under that bankruptcy act, go back to them, contact them, and say, I fully intend to repay you. It'll take me some time. But that will redeem your good name with them. Because... Uh, Psalm 37, 21 in the New American Standard Bible says, the wicked borrows and does not pay back. You know, if you're going to borrow anything from anybody, pay it back. You don't want to be lumped in here with the wicked. Now, do you? Um, you know, in family situations, I know there's, you know, everybody's got these, these people, you know, who are always, well, can you loan me this? Can you loan me that? And they never pay a penny back. We usually, usually you find it with, you know, your maybe siblings, you know, as you get older, you know, who go to the parents, you know, when mom can I bear, borrow this? And, and you're standing back going, they'll never pay them back. They never pay my parents back. I don't, I don't ask my parents for money. They never pay them back. You know, you know, we've all had people who did that. Okay. I know that. But, uh, if, you're, if you have family like that, just start, know at the outset, if you're not willing to give it, don't loan it. If you can't afford to give it, don't loan it. 
But if you borrow anything, you pay it back. There is a verse over in Romans that has been, I think, misused. It says, owe no man anything but to love one another. There are some prosperity preachers who have taken that to mean that you never borrow any money, like use a credit card, that you never take out a mortgage, you know, all that. I don't believe that that's true. You know, if I have my mortgage, you know, is a big amount like this, but I'm obligated to pay X amount of dollars per month. As long as I pay that X amount of dollars every single month, I don't owe you anything. And so I believe that you can take that same scripture and just use it to say, make sure your bills are always paid and made sure they're paid on time. Because in Proverbs 22, it says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. You are, I, I think I started off the very first week with this. You know, your way you handle your money speaks a lot about your integrity and your character. And it speaks a lot about God. Because people will always say, well, you're supposed to be a Christian. You won't even pay your bills. Well, don't be lumped in there. Don't, don't let God's name be put in that kind of a situation. It's not right. You know, God doesn't want to let you down. You don't let him down either. You're supposed to be a good witness out there for him in every area of your life, including your financial area. So as far as I'm concerned, bankruptcy is a no-no. You know, what we talked about earlier about, you know, debt. If you're over your head in debt, believe in God for favor, giving God an opportunity to work in your behalf. You know, believe God that there's a way to work this out without having to do a bankruptcy. Now, if it... If it's affecting you mentally and, and physically, you know, the, the pressure of it, then maybe it's an option. But I, I would think it's a very last-ditch option. If you've ever filed bankruptcy before, don't feel bad about it. Let's just go on. But the future, this is the, this is the attitude we have toward it. So we've covered bankruptcy now. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.